With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Tuesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. It's Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, for the next couple of hours. Thank you uh, for joining us uh, as we talk sports with you. The BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. Excited to... Uh, talk to Tyler Kluver, Trent, and this is a guy mm-hmm. that we've discussed, you know, this Washed Up Walk-Ons podcast, and, you know, he's got 2,200 followers, now he's got 4,100 followers, look, he's up to 6,000, uh, he's gaining a lot of traction in the state, he's a former long snapper at the University of Iowa, uh, and Tyler Kluver's going to join us at, uh, at 10.15 to, yeah, share his experience as a... Uh, walk on right. at the yep, University yep. of Iowa. Um, just you know, just kind of go inside, pick his brain, um, and I'm looking forward to doing so uh, with Tyler Kluver at about ten fifteen. Zubin Mahente from ESPN at ten thirty ish. Zubin from ESPN Sports Centers. Uh, Governor Kim Reynolds back with her first of twice weekly press conferences this week. We will carry it at eleven o'clock. Um, and then we will wrap things up with Adam Rittenberg, who wrote a piece yesterday. Uh, at ESPN, as a lot of uh, media uh, now gravitating to this uh, this Iowa story and the Coach Doyle and the Coach Ferentz. And a lot of Hawkeye players came out yesterday, Trent, and apparently there was a, a, a team meeting and it got mm-hmm. very emotional and a lot of people stood up and said what they wanted to say. And a lot of Hawkeye players, current Hawkeye players, paraphrasing, but a lot of them I might take away was they believe that uh, Iowa football got better yesterday. I think that was Keith Duncan's precise tweet. And you know what? I'm glad he's on Twitter. Oh, no doubt. I think this yeah. kid's got a really <laughs> good sense of humor. I'm looking forward to seeing if that carries out throughout the season. He's a kicker after all. Kickers and goalies kind of cut from a different cloth. Uh, and uh, I think Keith Duncan will be fun to watch on Twitter as the season goes on. So that's the BMW Des Moines guest list here today. Uh, DJK, Rob uh, Howe wrote a uh, or published uh, DJK's statement. Uh, looks like verbatim last night on HawkeyeNation.com. And HawkeyeNation.com has crashed. Time after time after time. I finally got to it this morning after trying to get on last night. Oh, I really? I could not get it to load. And then this morning I had difficulties. Oh, really? So uh, not just uh, a few people making their way over to Hawkeye Nation. Yeah, a lot of people over there to read DJK and the way that he saw things. Mm-hmm. Now, we've heard these allegations before from Darrell Johnson Kulianos. Well, you mentioned the trash can on mm-hmm. the head. Of, did you say it was DJK yesterday? Yeah. Did you? Because that escaped me. Yeah. You don't remember that? I remember you talking about yeah, it. I don't yeah. remember that it was DJ Hatterford anyways. Yeah, but uh, yeah, DJK has mentioned this on Twitter before. I want to say it was a year or two after he had graduated, moved on mm-hmm. uh, from the University of Iowa. And there are plenty of parts on that, stories that we've heard in the past, stories we've heard from him and, and heard in different various ways, including that trash can story that I mentioned I had heard years ago. But there's uh, there's parts of it that, are still difficult to wrap your mind around. Mm-hmm. And the biggest one, certainly, is when the cops came to his house. With a search warrant. Yep. With a search warrant. And reading Had probable it, cause to get the warrant signed. Did DJK, he believes that Kirk Ferentz yes. is the one that sent him there. And, and, and believes that he's connecting that now. I don't, I, I don't know if I can buy that one. I certainly can't buy the fact that he was blackballed from the league. Now, sure, only three scouts showed up at his. Mm-hmm. He wasn't allowed to work out at the Iowa Pro Day, which is kind of petty in my opinion. But then we showed up at the uh, at the Senior Bowl. He wasn't aware to wear. It wasn't allowed to wear any Hawkeye gear. Mm-hmm. Again, pretty pet- petty in my opinion. But I don't believe for a minute uh, that an NFL team would blackball a kid just because of a coach's opinion. Look, these coaches in the NFL, 
there year to year for the, unless you're right. Belichick and you have success, right? If you've got a need and there's a guy that can play and some coach is telling you, yeah, he's a bad actor, but okay, he might be a bad actor, but he can run a 4-3. And he's the all-time leading receiver, or at least he was, at the University of Iowa. And I watched him on kick returns against Ohio State, and he took that bad boy, what was it, 100, whatever it yeah, was, yeah. Uh, took it to the yeah. house. Uh, I'm going to give this kid a look, regardless of what the coach says. So I don't believe that part of it. But when Ferentz, uh, apparently uh, at the senior dinner, DJK's father, adopted father, went over and you know said something to Ferentz because Ferentz apparently they didn't meet up on the field during the senior day ceremony, and at the senior at the dinner, uh, DJK's dad went over and said something, and I'm paraphrasing here, but Ferentz said, "Hey, I've got one more surprise for him," and that's part of the piece that DJK published yesterday. I don't know. Yeah, I, to connect those dots, that's a stretch. It feels like a stretch, right. but that is not to shout down everything that he said in God, that piece. No. And, God, and, no. and 40 players, 43 dozen, whatever it's been, have come out and said you know, that they are treated differently. Mm-hmm. And he was told how to dress. He was, he, was, he was not in Kirk's good graces. Trent, his personality, think back, you're doing talk at the time. Mm-hmm. Who would you want to go to? This guy, you're going to get a sound bite from him. No doubt. And by the end, he wasn't around. He wasn't able to give mm-hmm. sound bites because he wasn't part of the weekly press conference when the players were available. And this shows you, I think, the... Control freak that Ferentz is. Yes. And taking away whatever it is. Durrell, during this whole time, he was known as somebody that was flamboyant, mm-hmm. that liked to wear different kind of clothes. Sure. It wasn't... He's not the guy that's worried about wearing a hoodie or wearing a skull cap or anything like that. No. For him, it was a nice suit. Flamboyant. It was, it was a suit that... Flashy. Popped. Yes. Looking good. Uh-huh. That wasn't the it wasn't the good. No, not looking good to me, but looking good to him, and that's right. what it's all about. Who right. cares? That's what he wants to dress like. But it wasn't allowed. And and yeah. you know the funny thing is, and during this two decade run, because it did feel like there's a change. Do you remember? You remember Javon Johnson? Yeah, excellent player. Yeah. Played in the CFL for a right. long time. Long time with Winnipeg for a long time. Had a ton, a ton of interceptions uh-huh. at the University of Iowa. He was an excellent player. And I remember he showed up in one of the press conferences. It was a big story afterwards early in his career, in this bright red suit. That's what he was wearing. <laughs> really? Now, this is Once. 2002. Once, I'm assuming. Well, that's not the case. He was a guy that did flash. And it does feel like maybe there was some, some kind of change. We talked to, yesterday, Anthony Heron, who mm-hmm. was on the early portions of the rebuild of the Iowa program and played for a season of Hayden Fry, and then he concluded his career years, yeah. for Kirk Ferentz. So... What changed? Because it felt like there is some kind of cultural change that happened. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to the City Boys incidents that happened. When they brought in that group of players, mostly from Detroit, Yeah, yeah. it was on the heels of that great recruiting class. Mm-hmm. And the pictures popped on. Yes. Where were they? Were they Facebook? Well, I don't know where they were. They were somewhere, yeah. yeah. And uh, MySpace, maybe. Back maybe, then. yeah. But it was the guys with the cash in their hand yep. and sitting around the table. Not a good look. There were some arrests during that time. And to me, and I don't know if this is right, but it feels like that was the time that maybe things did change in a bigger way, including what you could wear, how you dressed, what you did with your hair, those type of things. Bob Sanders, that dude had hair flying all the way out of his helmet all the time. But that was in the early part. Mm-hmm. And in order to in a way, regain more control of the program, they took these steps. This is also during the era, remember the NBA instituting their dress code. Yeah, this was happening yeah. not just at the University of Iowa. This was happening right. in major Forgotten leagues. about that, yeah. And this was a way that Ferentz, Doyle, and everybody else decided we're going to take back control of our program. Kirk Ferentz's job was on the line. Mm-hmm. You go back to 2007, mm-hmm. 2008. Nope, you're right. Without 2008 and the end of the season that they had, he might have been out at that time. And 2009 wouldn't have been the way that it was. So when I'm trying to kind of connect these dots and put the pieces together, if DJK would have come along in 01, 02, I think the conversation also would have been different at that time. But timing is a big part of it. And you look at how his era fell in line right after that group of players that came through and caused some problems yeah, for the football that's program. That's a fair point, Trent. That's a fair point. I think, I think your timeline matches up as I listen to you opine. Um, there, there's, there's no question. And I remember the outcry. You know, he's got to take control of this program mm-hmm. because it was rogue program. Oh, yes, no doubt. I heard a lot of those, uh, a lot of those uh, beefs from, from Hawkeye fans, from 
well, a lot of them from Story County. <laughs> the <laughs> one of their, right, yeah. the one of their opinion told, and that's what moves the needle here. And we're grateful for uh, the back and forth, both sides on it. But I think your timeline is probably accurate in some respects. I, I do think that, um, you know, the look, he took a plea deal. He copped a plea deal, mm-hmm. right? And it, I went back and I looked. He was found to have in his room, and he had a roommate, he was arrested for what was it? Operating a drug house is what they called it. Yes. Yep. And they went in the drug house and they found three thousand dollars. Okay. Found three thousand dollars in cash in DJK's room. They found a small amount of marijuana. Okay. If you come to my house, you can probably find a small amount of marijuana. But I'm not a football player. But does that, that small amount means like a couple of grams, right? Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Because if it was more, it'd be it would intent, get, right? Or you intent to deliver those four kind of- ounces or mm-hmm. blah 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 small and residue of cocaine, residue, which means I don't know. Was he you know probably chopping it up or whatever? And whatever he was chopping it on, he left some. But I, I don't know what it was. He uh, they also found prescription pills, which he said were painkillers. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a football player. Not a surprise. Not a surprise. Guessing he's not the only one that had prescription pills given to him by friend of the program, air quote. Um, but they didn't find anything that they could charge him with uh, peddling, mm-hmm. peddling the coke, peddling, right. peddling the marijuana. It seemed like it was, you know, possession, his possession, uh, those types of things only. So. Again, there's some stuff in there that I absolutely believe that they blackballed him. In fact, it's still going on. I mean, he was invited to the 10-year Orange Bowl reunion. It was last year. We're in the middle of the October Penn State game. And then just before... You know, in the days leading up to it, he's told, no, 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 you, you can't come. Coach doesn't want you. I think so, it was the day before. As was, was it the day ready, before? Yeah, wow. getting ready to get on his flight on Friday to come mm-hmm. into Iowa City. And sorry. Yeah, you know, or, you know... You, we, they don't want you here. I'd like to. I would love to know the assistant coach that a is still on the staff, according to uh, made DJ the phone K, call, right? And then made the phone call and said, "Sorry, I figured ten years later mm-hmm. that we'd be okay." There has to be more here. The, the stories that we've heard, we have not heard the same tone from Jarrell Johnson, Culianos, and DJK. I think his experience is completely different than most everybody's too. Yeah, this is a conversation we had when he was playing. Mm-hmm. Suspended here. Not playing a quarter, not playing a half. And but all- and now we find out maybe what those suspensions were about, mm-hmm. and he was trying to uh, curtail his personality from right. showing through. That that's a bad look. Mm-hmm. Now, look at I, I don't think anything is going to come of this. I don't think that Ference's tenure at Iowa uh, got a little bit more precarious because that was published yesterday at HawkeyeNation.com. I don't for one minute. Um, I do think I essentially after reading it. Um, some of my opinions, what was going on in the program, were backed up a little bit. Look, Ferentz has a control freak, but he's not alone in, in college sports. He's not alone. You don't think Nick Saban's a control freak? Of course he is. Of course, all of the, a lot of these coaches are control freaks. They mm-hmm. truly are. It's their program. Um, I don't think it helped when DJK was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was, what were they, were unbeaten at the time, right? They were unbeaten at the they time. They were, yeah. And then uh, I think the Sports Illustrated jinx kicked in. If memory serves, they lost their, I, I don't know. Lost to Northwestern 2009. got hurt, right? Yep. That's what I thought. Um, and Naked then the Ohio leg. State game when Ferris decided, you know what, well, we're just going to take a knee and not play for the Rose Bowl. We'll take our chances in overtime. I, I know he has said that that. He, going back, would look back at the decision and try to go for it. Yeah, finally said it after years of saying that he would have done the same thing. The dirty little secret about that game, James Vanderberg right. was okay. Yeah, he wasn't bad, Trent. I well, agree with you. He threw a pick six that was called back that shouldn't have been. Okay. He threw two interceptions that were interceptions in but the game. But he wasn't horrible. I remember he wasn't the, horrible. The f- he wasn't as horrible as he was the Northwestern game. Right. And the game afterwards against Minnesota where he was awful in that yeah, one. Yeah, that was I a won a 12-0. That was an awful game. Was Just awful. But... He in some people's minds he was made out at just how great he was playing. That he played okay, right? He didn't play as bad as most thought because yes. Ricky Stanzi can't play against Ohio State. Me and a buddy drove out to that game, Did and you? oh, you remember you sitting in the stands? Yeah, yeah. we we had the Tell tickets. The story had the tickets, and after the injury for Stanzi, how bad they looked in that Northwestern game. We both kind of looked. Well, at their each leader other. is wounded. Should we drive? I mean, we didn't have flight. Flight. We looked at flights. Flights were super expensive. Should we really go? Watch Iowa. How get, far? Ten hours? Something like that. Eleven. 
got to get up early Sunday, then drive back. It's like, if we really want to spend that Especially kind of time watching their brains, yeah, beat watch in. them lose by thirty. <laughs> right. In the shoe, I've been to the shoe before. I'd seen I would get pounded in that one. I'm like, yeah. We finally, uh, we'll just go have fun. We'll go have some fun, and, and we certainly did. But going into that game, I would have laid anything. I would have laid four touchdowns mm-hmm. with the Buckeyes with going you. in. A lot of revisionist history is just, I want people to remember that part of it. But yeah, going back to that time. But DJK, returning that kick at a guy that mm-hmm. Ohio State wanted. Yep, He was going to be a Buckeye. And right. just as an in-state student, didn't have the qualifying score, I believe it was. It was something academically where if he was an out-of-state student, he actually would have qualified. Isn't that something I yeah. didn't know And, and another kind of weird angle to the story. He ends up in Iowa City, and right away, he was a message board hero. He talked about yeah. that. And Doyle and Ference, they didn't like that part. Nope. But in that football, I mean, on a football field, you're at Alabama. You're at Clemson. Hey, you're not a five-star anymore. Right. I think that happens everywhere, Look, too. Dyer used to say this all the time, that, and I'm, I don't have the exact quote, you recruit me, you build them up, you build them up, you build them up, and as soon as they get on campus, you knock them down. Yes, yeah. Because that's the way football is, right? Mm-hmm. And and clearly that's the way it was. Again, there's, I'm, I read the piece. I thought it was well done. Um, some of the facts, some, some, I'm going to call them facts. Some of the story, I absolutely believe. Some of the story, I have a hard time believing. I really do. I have a hard time believing that if you can play in the NFL because of what your college coach said about you, you're not. Look, the NFL is not filled with choir boys by any stretch of the imagination. If you can help a team, you're going to get an opportunity. And I don't really read into the fact that he was cut by the CFL or he was cut by the Arena League years later when he thought about making a comeback. Was his heart in it at that time? Who knows? I mean, he wanted to try it. Nah, that's that. That's that part of the argument against DJK being blackballed. I'm not going down that road, but I do. Don't, I do. I do find it hard to believe that Ferentz kept him out of the league. Would he have gave him a glowing report card if he was asked? I doubt it. In fact, I imagine he wouldn't. Um, but again, if you can play, you can play. Let's get Tiger Kluver in here. Washed Up Walk-On is the podcast. A lot of folks have found it. And uh, Tyler Kluver joins us. Tyler, uh, Trent Condon, my name's Ken Miller. Ken Miller, thank you for coming on, Tyler Kluver. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I'm, I'm good. You know what? He said he's good. Oh, I, I thought you said yeah. you're going to. Sorry about that. My my fault. I was waiting for you to say more. Uh, so no, let, no. listen, three, two, one. Welcome to the program, Tyler Kluver. How are you? Good to talk to you. So, Tyler, uh, I've wanted to have you on. Trent and I have been talking about your podcast, and a lot of people have found it. And and good for you for doing this. So let's get into this before we get into your experience at Iowa. Why the podcast? Sure. Uh, how did it come together? And have you been surprised uh, by the uh, the positive response that this has gotten? Yeah, man, it was it was originally just a kind of a joke. Um, I lived with uh, my two co-hosts, Drake Kulik and Kevin Ward, and uh, and then Josie Jewell, Bo Bauer, and Ike Butker in college. And what a crew! Have a yeah, it's it's a crew for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, and the the conversations are are rarely boring when it when it comes to us six. Um, mm-hmm. And we were, you know, it was the 2018 season, so the. Our first season of football, um, watching the Hawks swarm and not being a part of it, yeah. and uh, we were about three weeks in uh, to that season, and we were having these conversations about what we missed and all this stuff. And somebody shouted out the idea, like, if we just put this out there somehow, people would like really enjoy listening to this. And within an hour, um, I had searched how to basically make a podcast and put it out and. The next Monday, we had our first episode, and uh, it, it took off. Um, it, initially, we were surprised at, at how well it did because, to us, we're just three normal guys. You know, the, the self-kind-of-deprecating name of yeah. um, wash-up walk-ons. Like, you know, we're just three, we're just three guys, and but people want to hear the experiences. And uh, and so then, after I kind of thought about it, how how no one in the program has really come out and had this platform and, and used kind of their inside knowledge with, um, to, to create content for fans. Um, I kind of realized we hit, we hit a, we struck a chord with something that hasn't been done before. So it's been great. It's certainly entertaining some 
choice language, not one that uh, usually you want to have the kids in the car with you as you're listening. But sure. so many great stories of your guys' time at the University of Iowa, bringing on former teammates, guys that have been part of the program. I want to get your perspective, though, as things started to blow up on Twitter on Friday night and into Saturday from the former players and what you heard and the reaction for you as an alum, as somebody that was part of this program for four years, as as you heard these stories coming out, your initial reaction and how it was for you throughout the weekend. Um, man, I I wish I could put into words and find the perfect word of how this whole situation has made me feel. Um, I'm sure every player uh, you know that's ever gone through those doors has had just a roller coaster of the last four days um and and hearing hearing everything blow up and and kind of seeing it from afar it it hurt really bad um to to be honest it's uh it's a really difficult situation um i know that uh every guy that's born the black and gold has a different experience every guy Mm -hmm. comes from a different background and and you know, walks into those doors every day, and um, it was never more apparent than this weekend that um, you know how some people felt in that in that complex was different than how I felt in that complex every day. Um, it, it really sucks to to hear that some of my teammates were were so on edge and so um, just unsure of of their daily kind of. Um, life inside of Iowa football, um, and and it's it's wild to kind of hear the the range of uh, of people's experiences, and I think that's that's why it's caught the attention of so many people. No, no doubt about it. Tyler Kluver is our guest, former long snapper at the University of Iowa. So, Tyler, as you self reflect, as you think back to you know some of the times that you were uh, in in the weight room with these guys, or in in uh, the guys that have come forward uh, in meetings mm-hmm. with these uh, with with these guys. Did you miss something at the time? Do you think, as you think, not that you were, you know, it was incumbent upon you to stand up and say, you know, and to, you know, to uh, go up against authority, but you were, do you, did you find yourself in self reflection going back and, 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 um, you know, just wondering, did, did I miss this or how did I miss this? Uh, well, when, when, you know, I was part of it. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's a great question. And it's one I'm still answering. Um, you know, with the podcast, a lot of people have, um, you know, our, our normal episodes come out on Monday and Thursday. And so yesterday was supposed to be a scheduled episode, but kind of as the weekend went down, um, we, we, we kind of knew we had to, we had to come up with a, re, a response mm-hmm. in our next episode to what, to what all is going down. And, um, part of that response is kind of figuring out that question among many others. Like, um, did, did we miss something? Was, was there something that we didn't see? I know from personal experience that, um, you know, the, the program that Iowa runs, Coach France, Coach Doyle, it's a very demanding program. And, uh, you know, I think Coach France gave the quote, there's a difference between demanding and yep. demeaning. Yep. Um, and, and you have to consider that, you know, there's a wide range of guys that walk into that building as well. And so not everyone is going to um, – is going to – interpret some things the same on that continuum, I guess, if you would call it. Um, obviously there's a, a bunch of guys who have come out and said, you know, I, I, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that there, that this was going on. It didn't happen to me for me personally. Um, you know, I, I felt that the program was very demanding um, and, and that, and very rarely on the side of demeaning, but some guys feel completely differently. <clears throat> um I will say this: the in a in a elite Division One program like that, there there is um, very little room for error when you're trying to be the best at what you do. When you're trying to be um, the best in the Big Ten, compete for a Big Ten championship, compete on a national level, and so the things that are expected of you as a player, um, and kind of the um, the way that you come together as a team, has to be just down to every single detail, down to really specific stuff. And um, it, it was definitely sad to, sad to hear that some people were, and I, and I wasn't in every situation, too. It's, it's hard to speak. I, I was around a lot of guys, but 
I wasn't there for everything. Um, it, it's sad to sad to hear that some people were demeaned or felt demeaned, and uh, and you know that the, the question of did I miss something still one that's being answered. Tyler Kluver joining us, the former Iowa football player, long snapper on very successful teams. He nearly caught a touchdown on the pull cap play as he was uh, tripped up. By the five yard line as he went down at the two, he's, he's Mr. Pullcat here. Hey, uh, Tyler, we'll get to that play in just a moment here. But you know, looking upon it, looking at Coach Doyle and the arrows that have certainly come his way, do you see any way with what we have heard here over the last four days that he can remain as the head of the strength and conditioning program at the University of Iowa? You know, that's a really good question. Um, you know, obviously he released his statement. Coach Ferentz has released his statements, um, and and I I truly don't know. I don't know if I'm in a position to 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 really say give an answer with any real kind of um, power behind that. Uh, Coach Doyle, I know, is, is one of the best in strength conditioning in the country. Um, you know, if you listen to the podcast, Kevin and Drake and I have all told our stories of how um, you know he he took us and made us into something. Um, and uh, it's tough with with the current social climate and and the you know the claims from some of the former players. Um, in t- in times and situations like these, oftentimes the only resolution is 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 when there's a significant change made. Um, I think a lot of people would love to see Coach Doyle um, as as not part of the Hawkeye program anymore. It's extremely, extremely hard for me to go that far um, because personally, a, a lot of my personal identity has come from that man. Um, strength conditioning is my passion. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, aside from the podcast, now a fitness and nutrition coach. Um, so obviously, I learned so much from Coach Doyle on the side of education, on on strength conditioning, on fitness and nutrition. Um, my major was exercise science. I was... Um, as an 18-year-old kid, I will tell you that I was not a disciplined person. I was not someone who was very good at um, doing everything right, waking up every day and living, um, living in a way that would benefit the program. And every action that I did, you know, would would benefit my teammates and our goal of being the best we could be. And Coach Doyle was an extremely huge part of turning me into a guy who did live that kind of life. And so um, for me to, for me to say that he wouldn't, or for me to see him not be the head of the strength program would be just something I never would have guessed in my lifetime. Unfortunately, um, in situations like this, sometimes uh, a move like that has to be made. Um, It would give me a whole lot of mixed emotions if that happened. Um, Similar to a lot of the questions, I, I don't know exactly how I would feel about that. But um, he's he's in a bad spot. Uh, I'll say that for sure. Uh, Tyler Kluver is our guest. Tyler, uh, my last thing for you, no, a number of uh, current Hawkeyes, I'm, I'm assuming some of them that you played with, have come out uh, yesterday. Apparently there was a very emotional team meeting. Uh, I'm not sure I've seen details actually who was all involved in it. But uh, a lot of them took to Twitter following the meeting and or Instagram, one of the social media platforms, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but my biggest takeaway was they believe that a major step and major hurdle was crossed. The first one, admittedly, uh, was crossed yesterday. Um, Iowa football got better yesterday seemed to be the takeaway. In our final 30, 40 seconds, was that your takeaway from what you read? Yeah, and uh, you know, I talked to a couple of the guys. I still, I still know a few of them. And from what they said, it was, uh, it was a life-changing meeting, um, and it was something that uh, will probably be talked about in in Iowa football for a long time, especially um, if if the program drives in the right direction from here on out. Um, I think it was very positive from what I can hear, and. Uh, and it's it's something that, as a Hawkeye Nation who was kind of up in the air over the weekend, it, it's good to hear. Uh, last thing, uh, give your business a shout-out. What are you doing right now, Tyler Kluver? Do you own the business? What what are you up to? Do I own the, the wash-up walk-off? No, no, no. Uh, no, no, no. Your full-time gig. Okay, my full-time gig. Well, you know what? Corona um, 
when Corona hit, I actually a couple weeks just before that had been laid off from in person uh, coaching at a at a gym. So I went completely kind of online, and I'm now an online fitness nutrition coach. I'll do it in person too, but you know, with the current times, online is kind of how everything's going. So, um, you know, I, I write individual programs for people who are looking to to be fit and exercise, and and um, I write exercise programs, help them with, with their nutrition, help them lose weight, and uh, I love doing it. I help I help change people's lives, and it, it gives me a lot of satisfaction to, uh, to help people get in a healthy direction. So just Google kind of what I'm doing now. Just Google Tyler Kluver online, or how would they find you online? Um, yeah, so Tyler Kluver, um, really the best place to follow me is, is Twitter and Instagram because I post a lot of it there. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, usually right now I'm still getting up. I needed some fancy website, but I don't have one yet. Um, if they want to get in contact with me, hit me up through social media. It's just Tyler Kluver on Instagram or Twitter. Um, direct message me or email me at uh, tyler-kluver at live.com, and, uh, and we can get you on the right track with your exercise and health. Good to talk to you, Tyler Kluver. Uh, best of luck with the podcast and uh, uh, in, in the uh, the fitness world as well. Thanks, Tyler. I appreciate it, guys. Good to talk to you, Tyler Kluver. Washed up walk-on. It's a really fun podcast, and we'll get Tyler on maybe later this summer, and we'll talk yeah, about, deeper about the pole cap I remember play. The play. I remember that. Not, not for, I didn't put two and two together. Yeah, long snap, and that five-yard line just got him. I was... Uh, <laughs> I pulled up the play last Can night as I was imagine? I was texting back and forth with Tyler a little bit. So up time. close. Oh, have a touchdown. Right. As a long snapper. Right. You don't expect that. I expect Zuba Mahente will be with Trent and I when we come back on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106- 106. The newly renovated Bennigan's on Merle Hay Road is reopened. Bennigan's has all your old menu favorites and now... An updated look. A huge 86-inch TV. Televisions throughout for your sports viewing. And now, 20 beers on tap. Bennigan's on Merle Hay is clean and follows safety protocols to keep their customers safe and healthy. Dine in, carry out, or curbside. Your neighborhood gathering spot for the best happy hour in town. Connected to the Holiday Inn at 4800 Merle Hay Road. Bennigan's, your new neighborhood gathering spot. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Governor Kim Reynolds coming up top of the hour. Let's get right to our friend Zubin Mahente, ESPN Sports Center. Zubin, Trent, and Ken, I'm sure from your outpost in Bristol, you followed uh, what has been uh, going on the last couple of days with the uh, inside the uh, Hawkeye football program, a football program that you covered during the uh, Ferentz era. Um, just your thoughts from afar, Zubin. What's kind of the buzz inside of the uh, four walls at ESPN? Yeah, I was talking to some people about it. I was fascinated by this entire story, and I actually told Trent in the commercial break that you guys did an unbelievable job. I was working out yesterday pretty hard, and I listened to your entire show, other than the small portion where you guys talked baseball at the top of the second hour. It was riveting. I mean, Ken, you were pretty emotional. I could hear the verb uh, in your voice. It was really really something and i would say that the biggest thing i took away from talking to a lot of people here and others is there seems to be a playbook of just one way to handle it and it seems somewhat ironic because i was media relations at least when i worked there and i from what i understand listening to you guys yesterday it's still pretty closed off but a little better than it used to be i think they handled it about as well as you can vis-a-vis the way some of these other programs are handling crisis I don't think Kirk looked particularly comfortable. I'm not 100% sure he was telling the truth, but I think in terms of the mechanisms they chose, a couple of different Zoom calls, let's try to get out in front of this. It's going to be difficult because there's going to be an avalanche of things on social media. Get out there, be contrite. And I think, for the most part, they did. Because if you compare it to what Clemson did, which basically went seven days without Dabo speaking, he spoke... The previous Monday, people were very upset about his comments about George Floyd because they didn't go strong enough. Yesterday, he released a video, which is notable, because at least Kirk sat there with you guys on a Zoom call a couple of different times. He just released a video, and some allegations there are terrible, and they just did not confront him. Iowa's trying to confront them, And then maybe the worst of all, in some cases, is what's going on with Florida State, where the coach was magnanimous enough to try to inject himself into this to basically make him say, look how good I am. 
I'm reaching out to all of my players. Nothing matters more than my players. I haven't even coached a game. These guys are my guys. And then that was quickly shot down by their All-American thing. You never reached out. You just texted us to say if you need something. So if you kind of take a look at the way teams across the country are handling this situation, even though the fallout at Iowa is pretty bad, I think at least the approach they're taking is better than some of the schools I've seen. Zuber, are you surprised, as as I am, that, that that since this has been revealed about Iowa and since former players have come forward, that the that we haven't seen it anywhere else? At least to my knowledge, I, I'm kind of surprised uh, that Iowa, what happened with their former players, didn't in some respects open a floodgate. Yes, I would say two things. I think one, I think it's coming. It's just a matter of when it's going to be and who is next, and then. Who feels more comfortable? Who feels emboldened? Who feels more courageous? And two, if it wasn't for the James Daniels tweet, I mean, you guys know this better than I do, I'm sure something would have come out eventually. But to me, that one tweet seemed to be the tipping point, and then everything followed thereafter. So I'm not sure if you've got another school where you've got a former player that probably doesn't feel like there's going to be anything that can really be done to them. And I'm sure Daniels just did it because he felt like, listen, I'm in the NFL, I have an opportunity, I need to do this, and there are probably going to be no repercussions. I don't think Daniels knew when he did it that Kirk would be this understanding, that Kirk would be this open. You just don't know. But I think it's one of those situations where you had a former player, a prominent former player, that knew that the program couldn't touch him if he wanted to come out and say what he wanted to say, and then you just kind of hope for the best. So I think sometimes it's amazing what one tweet can really do. We've seen that in other sports, and obviously this led to a flood of emotions. But I would imagine that this is just a matter of time before other schools are finding themselves in this spot. And other schools right now, I'm probably thinking about contingency plans. I'm working behind the scenes. What do we know? Who's saying what? If something were to happen, how would we to react? I think a lot of schools are sort of holding their breath right now for the time being. Zubin Mahete joining us from ESPN. You see him on SportsCenter. Zubin, after Kirk Ferentz's Zoom meeting that he had Sunday night, I watched SportsCenter after watching the Bruce Lee documentary, and I was surprised. There wasn't a hit. There was something on the crawl here. I know in Iowa we become so insular at times. We think this is this huge national story. I've seen pieces. I've seen parts. But overall, it certainly has not become the national story that I anticipated. When you're in Sports Center and you're in production meetings and you're getting ready for the show, how much of a conversation has it been? And has it just kind of looked at as one of many of these stories that we're hearing? What's happening with Dabo at Clemson? What's happening at Utah here over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, another one. Is it all thrown together into one or is it looked at in a bigger scope? I think we treat each story individually. So, for example, you guys are hardcore college football fans, mm-hmm. but the general audience at this point in the year or the casual football fan, they simply not be aware of the type of, and this is not just Chris Doyle, the type of sway a strength and conditioning coach has. I think when people saw his salary yesterday, $800,000, that he was the highest paid strength and conditioning coach, it probably didn't surprise you guys or most of your listeners because your listeners know what Doyle has meant to the program since 99, and what generally the strength and conditioning coach means. I mean, Urban Meyer's strength and conditioning coach, Vicky Mariotti, was making a ton of money, and that was a key cog to their program, and they really knew how important it was. I mean, Doyle was getting more credit because, as you guys had mentioned yesterday, they're bringing in two and three stars, turning them into NFL players. Ohio State's bringing in four and five stars and making sure they get to the NFL. So I think it's one of those situations where it's case by case. When Dabo Sweeney's name comes up, it's just going to percolate a lot more than Chris Doyle is, just because that's just the fact of the matter. And Mike Norvell is Florida State, again, a guy that many fans may not know, but it's still Florida State head coach, even though Florida State clearly isn't what it used to be. So I think on the surface level, when you see it, the strength and conditioning coach, I think it's one of those situations where you look at it and say, how important is this? But people that are inside the sport know that that position is vital and the sway that that person holds. I would say the one thing that went under the radar a little bit is the, especially nationally, is the lack of coverage of Brian Ferris. Now, that was a little interesting. I didn't see as much of that on the national scale. And perhaps you guys can clear this up. I watched the Zoom teleconference as well. And when Kirk essentially said, we've kind of dealt with that separately, 
I kind of scratched my head, and I was hoping somebody was going to follow up and mm. ask, well, what do you mean by that? Do you mean that he has had some prior instances before James Daniels, before all these tweets, and we have, quote-unquote, handled it? And what, what does that particularly mean? To me, that could be something. I mean, I would doubt that he's going to be overtaking the program now if there even was a succession plan in the first place. Right. But I'm surprised the Ferentz-Ferentz situation didn't get more attention because there's nepotism there, yep. there's father-son, there's room for why suspend or what, why, you know, why suspend with pay administratively Doyle but not son. All these sort of juicy details that I think were kind of left on the cutting room floor and I think still need some answers. Yeah, I, I'm with you, and I think that uh, if Brian Ferentz reports to uh, to Gary Barta because of the nepotism, I think we need to hear from the president of the university, Bruce Harold, and from the athletic director, and, and maybe they're just waiting for some time. And I know that emotional meeting yesterday uh, that was that that should have dominated uh, the the. Uh, uh, the narrative, if you will, yesterday. But, you know, today brings another day and we'll see. Zubin, let's, let's move off the story. Trent, I'm, I didn't know that you watched, uh, the Bruce Lee. I got through it, yeah. uh, last night. Um, and obviously I think this, uh, this Sunday, Zubin, as we get Sosa McGuire, uh, I think this is going to be a huge hit. I really do. As you you remember those times, you remember, you know what how badly baseball needed it and how the country was uh just fixed upon it. We couldn't get enough of it. We got Maguire and Sosa, it's Cubs and it's Cardinals. I think this one Sunday uh this one that starts on Sunday Zubin, I think it has a chance to be riveting next two weeks of TV. Yeah, I would say I would I would say this is one of those situations where if you have the opportunity, the trailer is out, and it is incredible. It's going to be this Sunday, nine Eastern time, um, and I don't, I can't even explain it. I know you guys have the opportunity to sometimes play those trailers on the air, um, but it's one of those situations where I think if you are alive, it's one of the great moments, and I think it's also one of those situations where, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong about this. I'm kind of disappointed. I think this is a one-parter, not a two-parter. Oh, is it only? And, yeah, uh, just one. Yeah. Is it? Uh... Yeah. I'm kind of disappointed by <laughs> that. Too. Lance got two. Bruce got one. This is going to get one. Um, and this is probably the moment, because there's a way, Ken uh, and Trent, to tie this back. You know, I think uh, we discussed after the 94 strike that uh, baseball took about 12 years to get its attendance back. And there were probably two moments in that 12, 15-year span after the 94 strike that really helped the sport. One was a singular night, and that was the Cal Ripken night. I think a lot of people remember that mm-hmm. night. And then Rustosa and McGuire for that entire summer. But the fact that it took baseball 14 years, if you count 94, and let's go through 98. If you think about it from the standpoint of how long it took baseball to really come back between 94 and 98 and just the general nature of attendance sliding. I don't see today, guys. I don't see any sort of Cal Ripken. I guess it could happen, but, you know, I don't see any sort of Cal Ripken, Sosa McGuire moment on the threshold. You know I mean? I don't see anything like that ready to go to salvage the sport this time around. Back in 94, the sport was in a much different place than it is today. I would hearken to say it's far more popular back then than it is today. They didn't have to deal with Netflix or video games or esports or any of these things that young kids deal with. And so the sport was in better shape back then. It had two groundbreaking moments to help it return. Fast forward to 2020, it's not what it used to be. And I don't think there's any groundbreaking moments on the horizon that could galvanize the sport and galvanize fans to bring it come back. I'll give you one stat. Take a guess. What do you think is the median age, just the median age, for a viewer on Sunday Night Baseball? 58. (laughs) Trent said this earlier in the week, so I think he must have. What is it, Zubin? 56. We had 56. That's just for Sunday Night. Now, Trent might be right if you add in, like, Fox and CBS and general audience. But for us, once a week... It's 56, and that's just not how you grow your sport. If you have a McGuire-Sosa thing, for some of these younger people, maybe they're back in, but those are once-in-a-generation-type situations, which will chronicle Sunday night. But 
uh, you know, as you see what's going on with the sport right now, there's a lot, a lot of problems that even a McGuire associate team probably could fix. Well, Trent found the uh, the promo that you re- referenced. Let's play it. It's a minute and a half. We'll come back, finish it up after this. Uh, but we do want to play it, Zubin. McGuire waits, swings, and hits it to deep center. Looks like it's going to leave the park. Adios. Wow. Sosa set to drive. Deep top right. Oh, baby, long gone. Have we ever seen anything like this? We couldn't stop talking about Mark McGuire around here today. You just don't know when you're going to hit a home run. Obviously, it takes a pitcher, it takes a pitch, it takes a good swing. I'm ready. Ready for the fight. <laughs> Watching those two guys, it was poetry. It ain't coming back. We got Mark, they got Sandy. Didn't know anything about Sandy Sosa until he had 20 home runs in June. The Maris record was hallowed ground. If it was easy to do, it would have been broken a long time ago. People were desperate for a feel-good story. In retrospect, there was a price to pay for it. I was hungry to be somebody. I was born here home We shut the world. Looking forward to this, Zubin. It's going to be so, so good. Final 45 seconds or so. We'll see this Sunday night. Are we going to see baseball this year? Man, I think the answer is yes, but I got to tell you, the solidarity from the players' mm-hmm, union is strong. something that I never thought I would see. In the NFL, you saw what happened. Even somebody like Aaron Rodgers essentially said, guys, you got to vote against this. The young guys are like, bro, I get it. You're Aaron Rodgers. No way. I got to get paid. You go to Major League Baseball and you see those same young guys look at the Aaron Rodgers of baseball, Mike Trout, and say, yo, man, you deserve every single penny and they're not going to be able to short-trip you by coming out and saying, we'll have a sliding scale, which they've eventually taken away. It just goes to show how fractured certain unions are. NFL prime example, even though they got a new CBA done, MLB has that on tap. But the solidarity that Tony Clark has brought with his union, probably one of the most underrated guys. He's not Don Fear. He's not Michelle Roberts. He's not DeMarie Smith. Might not be able to pick him out of a crowd, even though he had a nice career. But what he's been able to do with any union, whether it's one person or 100,000 people, the number one thing every union has to have is solidarity. And I think the owners are stunned with Clark, what Clark has been able to do to keep these guys together. Interesting. Well, we're getting word that Governor Reynolds has pushed back her press conference by 24 hours, so we can keep you on. Can we, Trent? Yeah, yeah, we got a couple uh, more minutes. Going on the, uh, keep going on this one with Zubin. Well, Zubin, uh, um, let's finish up with the NFL. As they've said, a lot of teams now are saying, you know, we don't even want coaches back in the building. And breaking news from the uh the WHO, the World Health Organization, who yesterday or recently came out, uh, they've had to completely backpedal. They're now walking back an early assertion that asymptomatic transmission of the coronavirus is very rare, saying that that was a misunderstanding. Zubin, we just don't know anything about this virus at this point, I don't think. We can't definitively point at anything. Uh, we're, we're seeing that uh, athletes are getting back on campuses. We're seeing positive tests. What does the fall bring, Zubin? I know that you're guessing, but your best guess, what, what is the fall going to bring? Is it going to bring start, stop, start, stop when it comes to sports? Yeah, I think the only thing, in my opinion, and I, certainly I don't know, just watching what I see, and, and Dr. Fauci has been one of the first people to say this, um, your data is only as good as your models, and we seemingly are just getting better data all the time, and that's why sometimes projections have gone from 2 million deaths, and once they got better data, um, Dr. Fauci brought it down to 100,000 to 240,000 deaths, and right now I think we're at 109,000, 108, 109,000, if I'm not mistaken. So the better data we get, the more predictable we'll be. Now, Dr. Fauci is the first person that said a second wave is coming, and if you combine that with influenza, you really never know what might occur. My general guess is what these sports have done with regards to quarantine are just best guesses because the NBA says they're ready to go July 31st. They're not telling us what their plan is, but you have to imagine there's a plan in place where there's a threshold where Adam Silver is going to say we have to shut down the league again. 
they don't want to think about it, but it's something they have to have in the back of their mind. I think right now what teams are doing, whether it's soccer or USC or college football, to the extent that college football is back, I think quarantining guys and moving them out is the right thing to do. But I think the one thing that's going to be different from the fall with regards to what happened in March, April, and May, if you take a look at what Bettman has said and what Silver has said, we seem to be now flush with testing. And it's more cheek swab testing. It's not the nasal intensive uh, testing that goes right up there between the base of your nose and skull. And I think if the NBA is saying we can test everyone every single day and we're going to have these families come to Disney World, and the NHL essentially is saying we can test everyone every single day, I have no idea what the spread of the virus will be. But as you know, in the early stages of this, the old everybody that needs the test can get a test. That wasn't exactly accurate. I was watching the news last night in Iowa because I wanted to contact Keith for something. And I saw WHO that one out of every 16 Iowans has been tested, which I think is a pretty good number, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. So I think the biggest difference in sports moving ahead this fall is that if the NBA and the NHL, who have basically months and months to go, can test everyone every single day, I think that is something that we can put a positive light on because at first we had asymptomatic people that didn't even know because they were never tested and then people that thought they had it but couldn't get tested and couldn't get to a drive-through or there were no tests available. So I think one thing sports has going for it, and we'll see what the NFL's plan is as well. Dr. Fauci recommended testing on Saturday and Sunday for NFL players, but nothing is hard or firm. The fact that we seem to not have an unlimited amount of tests but basically has enough testing to last us until every single day of the NHL and NBA season ends. That's a really good sign, and that's something we obviously couldn't say in March, April, and May. That's for sure. Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Zubin, thank you for coming on. We will talk to you in a week's time, and we'll recap McGuire versus Sosa. What a, uh, uh, what a few months it was. Thanks, Zubin. Looking forward to it. Thanks. As were we. Zuma Mehente from ESPN. So the governor pushed back her press conference mm-hmm. due to uh, the funeral, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm finding this from KWQC over in the Quad Cities. Postponing the press conference typically takes place yep. 11 on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Out of respect to George Floyd, this funeral is set right. for later this morning in Houston. That's the right move. Yeah. It's the right because I think it starts at 11. Uh, the Floyd funeral is at 11 in Houston. So, anyways, uh, we'll carry it tomorrow. Yeah. I want to get into the uh, the Bruce Lee for, oh, okay. for a few minutes. Yes. And I want to talk about Sosa McGuire because that was such a hell of a... I got uh, some baseball news for you, too. We kick off baseball season in the state. I thought you were talking MLB, but yeah, I saw that. I, th- I wonder if you had Park. inside info on that yeah. when you scheduled I got it. some news to pass along. Hour two coming up. Miller and Condon, 1460, 106.